Our connection is with Reach. For some reason, we've, uh, Vineyard Columbus has had a long-standing relationship with that program. We have a community center uh, as part of our church, and uh, several of the teams come over, well, I think all of them do, for a period of time and just volunteer and serve through our community center. And, uh, and I teach the Holy Spirit Week. So that's why I'm here. Now we know each other. We've seen their names on the roster and never met until last night. Oh, you look too? You look at the roster? I always look like who's coming. And I always try to set up when we're talking about Holy Spirit. I always try to set up like, okay, you're gonna, we're going to touch on this now, but you're going to get that two weeks from now, or you're going to run into this next week, or you're going to get into the warfare piece with Conrad later on. So it's there, it's real, but um, we're not going to take time to do that right now. So anyway. So you actually think ahead much more than me. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, let, well, I'll let that ride. <laughs> yep, yep. Let me talk to you about God's presence. Let me demystify something that's actually very, mis, uh, has a lot of mystery to it, and that's the Holy Spirit. And let's talk about what we're really after here. In uh, chapter 33 of Exodus, uh, Moses is talking to God. And in the 15th verse and the 16th verse, uh, Moses is saying to God, if you don't go with us, we've got nothing. We've got zip. And he says, um, you know, Moses, remember, was not real excited about his assignment. Mm -hmm. God said, why don't you lead the people of Israel? And he goes, I'm not your guy. And God said, you are my guy. And he said, I'm not your guy. And it went back and forth for a long time, and God won. But Moses says uh, later on uh, in verse 15, if you don't personally go with us, don't make us leave this place. Let's not even start the journey. How will anyone know that you look favorably on me, on me and on your people if you don't go with us. For your presence among us sets your people in me apart from all other people on the earth. That, in a nutshell, is what we're talking about here today. God's presence in our life sets us apart from every other religion from every other um, activity. Um, it is that identity that we belong to God and he lives and breathes in us that we're talking about. Now, what we'll get to is like, how do we experience that and how do we express it? But this is not about Stephen Van Dopp. I have no magic. Whenever I start these things, I'm actually quite frightened because there's, there's a, a lot of expectation like because there's been good results in the past someplace that I need to kind of generate that here. It's not about me. It's about your encounter with God's presence, bottom line. That's the foundation. We'll talk about that. We'll do some exercises around that in a few moments. But what I want to say is, let me tell you a story. So I went years ago to some person who had, you know, a great anointing with the Holy Spirit. It was a room like this. He was a healer. You talked about the evangelist. This guy was the healer. And um, so I went to see what it was all about. I wanted to investigate more about the Holy Spirit. So I watched people coming in, and several people came in on crutches, and a guy came in in a wheelchair and rolled right up front. And this guy... Um, this healer talked about faith a lot. If you just have enough faith, you'll be healed. Got to ministry time, 
And he said, okay, let's enter in. And the guy in the wheelchair started working hard, like he was trying to stir up faith, enough faith that God would fix his legs and bring him out of the, the, um, out of the, out of the chair. And I watched him struggle, and I watched his face get red as he kind of cranked up the blood pressure. And he sat there, and he struggled and struggled and struggled in the chair, trying to do whatever it was that would register as enough faith that God would say, I'm going to make your legs well. And at the end of the time, excuse me, at the end of the time, he just sat there, still in a wheelchair with a blank stare on his face, completely exhausted. And I thought to myself, I'll never be a part of that ministry, kind of ministry, ever in my life. I'll never do that to another person. It's not about what we generate. It's about God's presence in us. It's about personally encountering and engaging with God for ourselves. That's where the power is. The power is in the relationship. Mm-hmm. What God's after is relationship. He's not after us showing up like we do at the gas station and dropping the, the hose in the tank and saying, give me my, uh, fill up my tank with your power for the day. It's not that first. That's a result of that. But it's not that mechanical. So it's about God's presence. So I just want to say, if we don't do anything else here today, seek Jesus first. Walk out with that in your heads. We're thinking about seeking Jesus first, building relationship with Jesus, not trying to get power from Jesus. Did you hear that? Seeking relationship with Jesus, not trying to get something from him. The, the stuff that we get from him is a, comes out of a relationship naturally. What we're going to do today here should just naturally come upon out of God's relationship with you as an individual, you as a congregation, and what he chooses to let flow through this congregation. That's what we want to open up. That's what we want to let happen. So this is an Amazon driving up with a truck and dropping off a package at the door of the church or the door of your life going like, here's your package of power for the day or for the week or for this situation. Um, It's not that transactional. Think about a fire. If you stand next to a fire, what's going to happen? You're going to get warm, right? If you jump into a pool, what's going to happen? You're going to get wet. If you press into Jesus, if you seek Jesus first, what's going to, what's going to happen is that his spirit is going to um, respond, and you're going to receive or connect with what Jesus wants to do through you. It's just that simple. It's deceptively simple. So that's what we're doing today. Um, That's what makes us different, brothers and sisters in Christ. It's our relationship with Jesus. Not some secret magic, not some uh, special skill set that we're going after. We We can build on the relationship with Jesus. We can We can do some things to help um, let it flow. We'll talk about that later on. But that's what I want you to walk away with. It's it's actually seen all through the Bible. Think about David. David has this incredible success, King David in the Old Testament. Incredible success militarily. He gets to be king after a while. Gets has to be chased after for about 10 years by Saul to have his life threatened. But... He has incredible success in, um, 
in, uh, in the military aspect of his life, leading as king, God's blessings all over him. But it wasn't because he had some special skills, and it wasn't because um, he had something extra. It was because of his heart connected to God's heart. And again, that's what I'm thinking. Let's, or saying, let's seek a relationship with Jesus first. Let me read to you a couple of psalms, David's psalms, and then we'll be done with this. this. And um, just to make the point, I'm going to look at right now Psalm 27. If you got your phones, and most of you do, check it out. Psalm, listen to these words from Psalm 27, 4 and 5. One thing I ask of the Lord, the thing I seek most, is to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, delighting in the Lord's perfections and meditating in his temple. I'm talking about presence here. For he will conceal me there when trouble comes. He will hide me in the sanctuary. He will place me out of reach of the high rock. Take a look at Psalm 139. Flip forward to that. I love this psalm. If you're someone who's just getting going in life, young in years, young at heart, I love this psalm because it does say in um, how well God knows you uh, in verse 13. I say this, I'm quoting this all the time with people in my church. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. God knew us before we were even born into this world, knew us, knew our name, knew the unique signature of his uh, spirit on our souls, all of that. But I want to go to verse 7. I can never escape from your spirit, David says. I can never get away from your presence. If I go to heaven, you are there. If I go down to the grave, you are there. If I ride the wings of the morning, if I dwell by the farthest oceans, even there your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. Uh, one more. Let me go to a very familiar one, and I'll feel like I've made my point. Three scriptures in honor of the Trinity. Psalm 23. We know this psalm very, very well, many of us, very familiar with it. Verse 4, it says, Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid, for you are close to me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. I was a little tired last night when I was talking with Carolyn and Tim about this, about this, this day being with you people. I said, we, we lost a friend on our staff, a woman of 51 who on Thursday night, uh, a couple of weeks back, felt ill and vomited and had a rough night and got up and, and did the same in the morning and became so weak that she couldn't even walk to the car. Her husband took her to the ER at 10 o'clock in the morning, and by 2 p.m. she was gone. Dearly beloved individual in our, in our congregation, um, and it was a startling departure. What was impressive was to watch her husband and her 13-year-old daughter afterwards talk about um, their incredible grief, but also the strong presence of the Lord, the strong presence of the Lord that just sustained them through this time. And it wasn't made up, and it wasn't just church talk. It was genuine. It was heartfelt. It was real. It was tangible. 
uh, and, and they were the ones who carried the congregation grieving the loss of Meg through, uh, through these days and continue to do that. God is seeking us. God is seeking you, even now, reaching out to this corner of the church, each one of you individually, drawing you in. Here as well, across this whole room, as we go into this day, as we talk about the Holy Spirit, as we talk about our relationship with the third person of the Trinity, know that God is in this room and he is focused on you and seeking you, more of you. And that's the foundation of what we talk about in terms of doing stuff with God through the power of the Holy Spirit later on. Okay, let's have a word of prayer and let's get uh, started. I brought paper notes, I'm old school. I still think, I, as much as I tried to do something electronically, it just ends up on paper. So I'm gonna pass it out. And you guys can do with that if you want what you want. I'm not gonna give you guys permission to make airplanes out of it. I was gonna say that and I go like, that actually would probably happen and we'd have them flying through the room. <laughs> yeah, use them, set them aside. I'll give you those two options. But I'll pass those out in just a moment. Lord, we welcome this day. We welcome uh, your presence here already in this room. Uh, and I pray for each one of us today that as we listen to things we already know, as we hear things that are new, you would touch us. You would open up in our hearts a deeper realization, a deeper experience of what's already embraced as truth for many of us who have been walking with you for many years. And I pray for those who perhaps haven't considered this, uh, these teachings this day, that you would um, pull back the curtains. You would help those individuals be aware of the expansiveness, the broadness, the, the um, vastness of who you are in our own lives, in this church, in this group of people. And thank you for what you plan to do this day. Help me to teach well and do as I should. Um, what you're asking me, um, I pray for a real sense of security uh, with me this day, for I'm a stranger in this church. That we would get past that quickly, that we would relax, that we would focus more just on what is, what is it that you have for us this day. And I pray finally that we will open up with our expectations, not only for big dramatic stuff, which may or may not happen, but for the small movements of your spirit in our hearts. I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Okay, so I have, I have notes. Um, I'll let these get passed around. I'll just start them here. <laughs> and if you need more, I have more because I carried them on the plane with me, and I thought, like, wow, I'm not taking these back with me. Okay. Um, who's the Holy Spirit? While these are going away, let's just review what we know. Okay? Um, we say God's a trinity, right? I can't explain it to you. It's kind of like water, solid, gas, liquid. It's like an egg, you know, shell, whites, yolk. I've had uh, lots of explanations who they are. 
We don't know exactly how that all works, but we see it in, in the scriptures. Like the first chapter of Ephesians, where Paul is writing to the church at Ephesus, he frames the whole first chapter almost with something to the Father, something to the Son, something to the Holy Spirit. And the church has recognized that all through the centuries, and they've called that, you know, we're going to give that a name, it's called the Trinity. One God, three people. Um, and we can't break that down into all of its parts. We can't understand how that all comes together, but we see it. Did you have enough? Um, I'm sure they used to share with each other. No, 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 no. There's no need to share. Let's not do that. I got plenty. Here. <clears throat> so three, three people, one God. We talk about that, but let's just talk a little bit about characteristics. This trinity is defined by love. It's relationship that is the outstanding feature of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It's relationship. Can you say that to me so I know you got it? It's relationship, right? And that's what we're talking about today. It's a relationship based on love. Is this your other half? Yeah. She didn't, she didn't want to come sit near you. Ah, I get that. It's too scary. <laughs> nice, to, nice to see you. That's my way of making her feel comfortable. Yeah, pointing her out yeah. as she came into the room, calling attention to her. Mm -hmm. Characterized by love. Now, we talk about this all the time, but I'm going to give you a little bit of a heads up. It took me to my 44th year to really experience God's love. I'm going to say this a few times this morning. I knew about it. I preached about it. I believed it. I had it all straight with my doctrine. I could quote the scripture passages, all which was good. Did not experience it for me, that he saw me, that he loved me, till 44. And at that time, I'm a good 15, 16 years into pastoring. Just hold that in the parking lot for a little bit, and we'll come back to that. Creativity, incredible creativity that comes from the Trinity. Obviously, creates the world, but ongoing creativity all the time. I love the art, by the way, around this room. Who does all that stuff? Nice. And what's great about it is you got a pastor to let you put it up. Actually, I asked for it. Yeah, I believe it. So this is just an expression of us being made in the image of God and uh, this creativity of the, of, the Holy, uh, of the Trinity. They're holy. It's a holy relationship. I can't explain that fully, but different than our human relationships. Um, they defer to one another. They love one another. They work together as one another harmoniously. There's a great, this will really push you this morning, there's a Russian... Um, artist, Rublev, who had an icon of the, a picture of the Trinity. I should have brought it with me. I used, sometimes I pass this out at reach. I go, just look at this picture. And the way the heads are tipped toward one another, you can't exactly tell how they're looking at each other, right? You've seen, you know what I'm talking about, right? And so um, Father, Son, Holy Spirit sitting there. They have a little bit different robes, colored robes, but they look godly. And uh, they got their heads tipped in such a way you cannot tell exactly who they're looking at in the Trinity. But there's a sense of bowed head toward each other. It's cool. 
And what's great about this history says is that the platform that they were on, there's a little, there's a little rectangle at the bottom. Have you ever seen it? Look again. The history says that there was a picture that had a reflective, or there was a reflective material there that as you looked at this icon, you'd see your picture. You'd see your reflection in it. See what I'm saying? You get that sort of like, what, what are you talking about? So there's a, a mirror so that as you stood before this, this piece of art, you would see your image reflected and you would be included into this relationship. It's cool. It's cool to look at. And, um, and what's powerful about that is they're deferring to one another. So they're holy, they're eternal. Of course, this is an ongoing relationship and supernatural. We're talking a little bit about the supernatural today, but that's who we need to understand first before we go to Holy Spirit. So I'm not going to say anything more about that other than what we're focusing on today is the Holy Spirit, third person of the Trinity, and that doesn't mean third best, that just means there's three. Okay? Ask yourself, what do I know about the Holy Spirit? I'm not asking you to respond back to me. Just say, what do I know about the Holy Spirit? Just think about what you would, how you would describe the Holy Spirit. If somebody walked into church and go, I don't know what you guys are about, but I heard somebody talking about the Holy Spirit on the airplane, at the grocery store, filling station, I've heard that before. What does that even mean? What would you say? Okay, time to change the tune. Another pass out. We're going to play a game. So you're going to need a pen. This is a test. You're panicked. <laughs> I'm kidding. Yeah. Um, yeah, or you could work without it. You probably could work without it. What you have here are pictures, paradigms, of a famous little phrase, like the first one. Look at, look at number one. What is that really telling us? What's that saying? When you look at the downtown, you get it? Let's do another one. Number two. Man overboard. Man overboard. Number three. Good job. This group over here, oh, did you answer or were the kids? I answered. Okay, you're out of it the next one. Okay, next one. I understand. I understand. I'm going to do the first line. I'm going to let you work for at the other one so you, don't, you have a chance to work at them a little bit. What's the fi number five represent? Reading between the lines. You got it. Okay. Next, you guys, work on the next few on your own. Work on the next line on your own. We'll, uh, we'll come back. And I forgot the key, so I don't even know what the last one means for sure. And, uh, just so you know, just be transparent. Okay, let's work through them. Second line. What does six, number, uh, number six mean? Eyeballs, circles under the eyes. Circles under the eyes. Nailed it. Next one, easy. Sandbox. I heard that from the wall. They had that one. What about eight? He's beside himself. 
Nine? Split action. Both would work. Split action. Um, break any action. What about 10? Back up. Yeah. You got it. Back up. Back up. 11? Got it. What? Touchdown. Bingo. Okay, seven, seven, uh, um, 17, 12. Seven. Mm -hmm. Squ Square? Is that what you said? Yeah. It's close. Mm -hmm. Pair of dice. Pair of dice. <laughs> okay, you're getting some of the patterns down now. What do you think the next one is? Mind over matter. Yeah, uh, uh, mind over matter. 14's hard. Yep, it's an L. I can see where the T may look. I'll look back in anger. Okay, this one goes to the youth, young side of the room. What's 15? Any ideas? Between you and me. Just between you and me. Yeah? Um, 16. I over eight. <laughs> Every Friday. Every Friday. Without fail. 17? Yeah. Well, that was figured out over here. Okay, 18. Yeah. Glance backward, backward glance, whatever. 19. Life after death works. Uh, 20? Shopping around? Yeah. 22? Yeah. Something we don't want to see at the church, but that's what it is. 22. I'm blank here. I can't remember this one. We'll come back. Did somebody say something? 23. Town Square. 24. This is a little bit of a throwback to the World War II. <laughs> GI overseas. Yeah, that makes sense. Last time I didn't think that. 25. Yep. I was looking to my left. 26. Six feet underground. 27. Lightning. Lightning. Yeah, lightning. Close. I don't know what it is. I, I, I looked at that too. That was another one. 22, 27. I go like, yeah, I don't call. Uh, 28. Three degrees below zero. Okay, um, this is this is similar to where we were going with nine, but twenty nine is, uh huh, split level. Thirty, yeah, crossroad. Thirty one. Thirty two. Yep. Thirty three. <laughs> to be or not to be. 
34. Yep. The last one. Line up backwards. All right. Why did I take precious time to do this? Well, one, to keep you entertained. Two, to get you engaged. But what was your experience with this? With some of the squares where you go like, oh, I can't see it. We had one that we couldn't solve. What's, what is, what, what's the, uh, um, the frustration? Or the overall experience of this? Things aren't always what they seem, right? Things, the, the clues are there, but you can't quite put it together. You got some, most of you got all of them. Even I didn't get them all. And yet, as soon as you hear the solution, you go, of course, of course, right? I do this exercise simply to point out that the Holy Spirit is around, the clues are there. We don't always see or understand what's right before our eyes. We always have, I have glasses, we always have a set of lenses that we're interpreting the world with. And mostly that works for us. But it doesn't necessarily mean that that's all that there is, right? There's more. And so my invitation to you today is to open yourself up. Now, here's the good news. Tim only had me here for Saturday and Sunday, and I'm gone. So if you don't agree with me, you don't like me, you think you know, I'm crazy, I'm gone in two days. And um, you don't have to see me again, and you don't have to listen to what I have to say. But what we're talking about, get me out of the picture. What we're talking about is what more could I experience or understand about the Holy Spirit, and it's right there before my eyes, and yet I missed it, or I haven't seen it. I haven't understood that. Have a little prayer with the Lord right now that just says, Lord, would you show me more of yourself? Would you let me know more about what the Holy Spirit, who the Spirit is, what he does, and give me the courage to experience him a little more? That's where I was driving at with this exercise. Now, I can't make you make that choice, but I can invite you to that choice. And so you just have a little chat with the Lord right now about what happens for the rest of our time together and here's the question I want you to ask. What do you want? What do you want? In John, the Gospel of John, first chapter, verse 38, John the Baptist had just said to his disciples, this guy walking by right now, that's Jesus. He's the Messiah. And two of those disciples split off and start following Jesus. They don't have enough guts to walk up to him yet because they just heard he was the Messiah. And Jesus turns around and looks him straight in the eye and goes like, what are you seeking? What do you want? And they can't even get to the place where they go like, well, we want to hang out with you because we just heard you're the Messiah. Imagine the, imagine the scene right now. Two guys, you know, following a guy who's at the glass doors at the back of the room. And wherever he goes, they go. And finally he turns around and says, what do you want? Um, maybe not with that tone. <laughs> a little bit more invitational. He says, what do you want? What are you seeking? And they go, what they really were seeking is, hmm, we'd like to hang out with you. We heard from John the Baptist, who we really like and have a lot of respect for and see God using him, that you're the Messiah, and we've been waiting for the Messiah for a long time, and so we're following you to see 
if we can be a part of that, is that true, and can we be a part of that? All they can do is, where are you staying? Where are you going? And he says, come and see. You hear the invitation? Come and see. I'm looking at you guys right here. I'm saying, do you hear Jesus saying to you, come and see, there's more? I'm looking at some of you with gray hair and saying, is there still room in your spirit to hear Jesus say, come and see, come? There's more. You haven't seen all of me yet. Now, that's your personal decision. I know what my desire is. I don't know what your desire is. But I'm going to give you right now 30 seconds to say to the Lord, not out loud, what is it you want? What do you desire? Now, I'm living a lot of ordinary life, everyday life. Everyday life, and I'm talking about everyday, supernatural life. Ordinary stuff, where the Spirit's moving through the everyday routines of our life. And every once in a while, there's a big circus, and then we go back to everyday plodding along. Spirit's still there. What do you want? Figure that out right now. Pause and, and listen. Not only do you, what do you want, but... Where is the invitation from the Lord? I'm going to give you 30 seconds to just pray. And then we'll get moving with notes. Okay, amen. You'll have a chance to pray some more. What I've done is stirred up what, at least the question, what do you want? What do you desire? What are you seeking? What are you seeking? Let's go back to notes. Three problems with the Holy Spirit. I've, I've experienced every one of these. He can be misunderstood. Think about Pentecost, Acts 12, where the Spirit comes with fire and with wind and the disciples who've been scared in the upper room freaked out because um, they're feeling like we're going to get hunted down. We're going to go through the same thing Jesus went through. You said Acts 12. I think you meant Acts 2. Acts 2. Sorry, thanks. Which wasn't unrealistic. Um, fire comes. They start speaking in languages. And people down in Jerusalem walk in the streets. Different kinds of folks from different kinds of countries go, those guys have been drinking. And Peter comes down and preaches. People were seeing the Holy Spirit and misunderstanding what was going on. 
The Holy Spirit can be misunderstood. I've done it. The Holy Spirit can be ignored. So on Acts 5, you have the story of Ananias and Sapphira. So they're a new congregation. Church is forming. Some people are selling possessions and giving the money to the church. And um, Ananias and Sapphira are seeing um, a real uptick in the movement of the Spirit, encounter with the Spirit as people are given sacrificially and giving with open hearts. So they go like, hmm, seems to be good press. You know, you get a lot of recognition in the church for this. God's moving. So they sell a piece of land and get a portion of it back. But they say it's the whole thing. And what happens is Peter confronts them and, and uh, they fall dead. Now, it's a pretty dramatic story and it kind of unnerves me. But they were ignoring the Holy Spirit. Now, I don't, I'm not saying if you ignore the Holy Spirit, you're going to drop dead. Not going that way. But what I am saying is that um, he can be lied to and he can be tested. And most of us have done that. And it's a pretty clear message in Acts 5 that there's consequences with that. With an early church, with a new congregation going, the stakes were really high because if it got off course at that point, it would affect everything else that followed. And so uh, they become an example. But my point is, is that we can ignore the Holy Spirit. We can know a lot about the Holy Spirit and be ignoring Him at the same time. His invitations move into life. Number three, it can be resisted. It says in Ephesians 3.20, 4.20, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. Don't make Him sad. Don't cause Him sorrow by what you do. Um, it says in 1 Thessalonians 5.19, don't quench the Spirit. Don't, don't put the fire out. And by the way, what that means is sometimes when the Holy Spirit's moving through our congregation, it just gets messy. Now listen to where I'm coming from. I grew up in the Dutch Reformed Church. We put a high priority of doing church in good order. And good order is a God-like quality. It's not chaos. Having things organized and put together honors God. But we put a premium on it. And so when things started going a little out of, out of whack, like the story you were telling me where somebody stands up in the middle of a sermon and something unexpected happens, people get uptight because, well, hey, things aren't going as planned as we planned it. That was definitely not the Lord, though. That was not the Lord. <laughs> but don't quench the spirit. And you can, you and I can not only make him sad, quench, put the fire out, but we can make... Um, we can outrage the Holy Spirit, especially when we do nasty things to other people. Especially when we do that. In fact, almost exclusively that. God puts up with a lot from us, but when we start hurting people intentionally, that's not good. He can be misunderstood, ignored, and resisted. Now, let's just put it on the table and say, like, we, that's all can happen, and we've probably done a little bit of all of it. So, one of the goals we want to do is let's become more um, responsive to the presence of the Holy Spirit. And I think we all are after being more aligned with the Holy Spirit so that we're not missing them. Okay, let's, let me move on. Holy Spirit is a person who wants to be related to as a person. He's not a doctrine or a teaching. I mean, we talk about him that way, and he's not the force. 
that's Star Wars, that dates me a little bit. Um, it's not something that you can, um, you can buy a lot of and leverage this force whenever you uh, want to, uh, just as a commodity, as something, as a thing to be manipulated. Um, he's not just about our conscience. The Holy Spirit does tell us when we do bad things, when we're in the wrong, when we're going down the wrong path. That's true, but he's more than that. And he's more than a feeling. We live in a culture here in America that puts a premium on everyone's feeling almost exclusively. And our emotions are part of who we are as a person, but it's more than just a warm feeling, the Holy Spirit, much bigger than that. Let me pause there. Does that make sense? Yeah? Okay, cool. So who is the Holy Spirit? Let me just run through a list of some things here. You can write them down if you want. Um, uh, and if not, you don't have to. I'm just going to drop into a little place where it's a little more detailed for me. Um, so as a person, the Holy Spirit has a mind. He's intelligent. He has knowledge. He has a will. He works in cooperation with the Trinity, but he has a will, just as you have a will. Um, if you want to drop scripture passages behind these points, I'm not going to read them all. 1 Corinthians 12, 11 talks about um, the will, the, the choices of the Holy Spirit. Uh, the mind thing, um, Romans 8, 27. Uh, the Holy Spirit's full of love. We've talked about that already, especially toward other, uh, the, um, uh, the rest of the Trinity and uh, to us as human beings. Romans 15, 30. And has capacity to, listen to this, to speak, to call, to command, to forbid, to invite. All of it. Now, this is not an it. This is a person. An it doesn't do that, right? And I want, what I want you to get in your head is this is a person that we're talking about that relates to us as a person. Okay, implementation. Of the uh, Holy Spirit as a person. He can be ignored. I've talked about that. He can be grieved. He can be quenched. He can be responded to and he can be resisted. He can be pleased. He can be lied to. He can be tested and he can be outraged. Matthew. 12, 31, Hebrews 10, 20, 29. All of these things are things that we understand, right? Have you ever been mad? Outraged? Have you been lied to? And have you lied? Sometimes multiple times in a day, right? Have you been grieved? Felt sadness about something? Have you ever been ignored? Have you ever felt like, I'm not even being seen? I'm not even being acknowledged in this world. I'm not, um, I feel like I'm invisible. How does that feel, by the way? Yeah. It's dehumanizing, isn't it? You feel less than a person, right? When you have that happen? All right. What else? Have you ever been, um, have you ever felt, Pleased with yourself, pleased with events going around you. 
pleasure. I'm pleased with that result. You know that feeling, right? Okay, Holy Spirit has all that too. Okay, so that, my goal here is to understand that what we're talking about here is not some supreme being, which God is, that's so far away we can't touch, feel, or share anything with God. And it's not an it. It's a person. And we know how we want to be treated as people. We want to have friends. We want to be seen. We want people to see what we do well and acknowledge that. I think it's cool, again, that, you know, your pastor here, for one individual uh, in the congregation, is seeing the capacity to do something so that I can bless the rest of the congregation. Let's bring it in. It's nice. It's affirming. It's life-giving. This is the Holy Spirit, too. Is that strange for you guys? Where, why is that? Why is that strange for you, guys? Why does that seem like, oh, yeah. Well, um, we've been made in God's image. I was just realizing we're made in God's image, so of course the Holy Spirit is a person. Somehow I picture God as a person, and Jesus we know, obviously, yeah. became a person. Yeah. Yeah. So to yeah. think that he's a person isn't really new to me. Yeah. No, we just had a paradigm shift, right? We were just yeah. doing that exercise where we're doing, here's this picture, these paradigms. Sometimes we see what it's trying to communicate, and sometimes it just goes right past us. And that is a great example of that. Did I hear somebody over here say, yeah, that's a new thought for me, that the Holy Spirit's a person? Yeah, I'm calling somebody out over here. I thought I heard a whisper. No? It was my imagination? Because I know you guys got something to say. Okay. Okay. I won't pick on you all day. But I will be back. I will be back. Last night, driving from the airport, your pastor said, go after this group particularly. No, I'm kidding you. Um, so, um, you were saying the same. In the same kind of a point. Okay. All right, good. It changes things, doesn't it? I mean, it changes when you think like, oh, I'm dealing with a person. And we do. We talk about God the Father, we talk about God the Son, and we confess God, uh, God the Holy Spirit, but we really don't. But it kind of turns into fog. Yeah? It's kind of just nebulous. It's out there. It's, you know, it's there and it's gone. It's like, I don't know, it's fog, you know? Um, that was my experience. When I, say, when I say to you that... Lights went on for me in my 40s. I realized I had been confessing biblical truth as something I believed in for over 40 years and never got to this place of going like, oh, this is a person. And I can relate to the Holy Spirit as a person. I can talk to the Holy Spirit as a person. It's a game changer. It's a game changer. And the Holy Spirit has... Uh, uh, experiences that are similar to mine. And you're right, we're made in the image of God. It translates right down. So that's good. That's a good takeaway. All right. We're going to talk a little bit about... I'm way behind already here. It's not good, Tim. It's not good. Um, we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit uh, as the communicator of the Godhead. Um, in John 14 through 16... 
Jesus is leaving his disciples. He's about to be crucified. He's leaving his disciples. Hi, welcome. You're, um, you're my next example. <laughs> um, no, I'm kidding you. Welcome. Sincerely welcome. Uh, what was I saying? Oh, he communicates. Oh, yeah, communicates. Yeah, that's it. You're behind. You're behind. You're still thinking about a person. Yeah, I'm still thinking about that. Yep. He communicates. John 14 through 16. Now I'm tracking. Jesus is about to leave the disciples. They don't know yet. He's going to be crucified, and it's going to change. They're doing the Last Supper. It's the Passover. And he says, he starts telling them things that, um, that they don't fully understand. I'm going to go away. Things are going to happen. I'm going to go away, but my spirit comes, and actually that's good for you. That's good for you. I've been with you physically present, but now the Holy Spirit's going to come and actually dwell within. And he's going to communicate all things of God to you, and he's going to communicate particularly to your heart. Give me a definition of your heart. The Bible talks about it all the time. What does that even mean? What is your heart? Not your physical heart that's pumping blood. Get that part. Your soul's good. What's soul mean? It's sense of your being. It's your essence, your being. And I heard who's, who's saying mind, your will, your soul. So the newcomer's got a contribution already. <laughs> it's like, wow. Sharp. So, yes, listen to this. I'm going to expand it a little bit further. Your mind, absolutely. Your, uh, your will, your emotions, your moral energies, and now here's the mind blower, your physical body. We remember Christ is in a physical body. We're made in the image of God. The resurrected body is physical. Yes. It's physical people. When we see Jesus, I think we're in real bodies. Yeah. That's how we were made in Genesis, right? It's interesting. And God speaks through our bodies as well. Those, that convergence, so this goes to soul. This was good. You weren't off, you weren't off, off base at all. Your soul, your heart is a convergence of all of that. That's where the Holy Spirit sits. What about Nacho Libre? They called it his nucleus. <laughs> That's good. I hadn't gone there. <laughs> His nucleus. But I love Jack Black. <laughs> He's hilarious. That's where our heart speaks to the heart of God. That's where the communication happens. And um, we often neglect our bodies, how the Spirit may be talking to us through our bodies. We pretty much get feeling. We sometimes blow past a lot of times when he's speaking to our mind because we think it's us. We just assume that our thoughts are our thoughts. Um, I think we get the will thing, you know, I'm gonna, or the moral thing. We're going to choose good or bad. You know, you're, we're all aware of that. But your heart is all of that. That's, what, that's where the Holy Spirit is communicating. And um, that's where, as Jesus promised in John 14 through 16, the Holy Spirit's going to come, and he's going to be a part of who you are. So let me just pause here a moment again. And that's an upgrade. Yeah, it is an upgrade. And, and, he, and we not, think it's not. We think, come back, come back, quick, quick, quick. You know? With Jesus, you mean? 
Well, I mean, when he left, his disciples were freaking out, and he said, no, no, it's better for you. That I go. Because yeah. it's an upgrade. Yeah. Yep, and I mean, it's, uh, that's absolutely the case. And it continues to upgrade. It's current. It's always current. It's always what God's doing in the world. It's coming through the Holy Spirit that that link up happens, right? So it's not, oh, I've got to upgrade again like your computers have to do periodically because I've got a patch here and a patch there. It's just continually in touch with what God's doing if we're paying attention. So you got, do you think about that? you ever think about that? God's Spirit, if you've confessed Christ as Savior, is living within you and is a part of everything that you're doing. And God's working around you all the time. And I said earlier, we sometimes look for the big dramatic moments. I pray for healing for Pastor Tim. You know, he's got a hangnail that's been bothering him. And I pray, and suddenly it's healed. And we go like, that was dramatic. Wow, that was a real movement of God. But we often miss God in every day. The ordinary, every hour, every mo every every moment, that connection's there, and so that presses the question. That asks the question, like, are you aware of that? So he's communicating to us all the time. Enough on that. We'll come back to that. And he allows us to know God and be known by God. Remember Psalm one thirty nine? We read a few chap a few verses out of that. It said, God knew you before you were born. Knew you in your mother's womb. You're fearfully and wonderfully made. You're a unique creature. I like to say you're a piece of work. <laughs> because there's no one else like you. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. And God knows you as a person. And while he works in all of our lives, there are unique ways that he's moving through your lives. Unique ways that he's using you, unique ways that he's forming you, unique ways that he's demonstrating through you. And my question is, are you even aware of that? And if you are, how often are you plugged into that? And if you're not, or you're not satisfied with that, back to my question, what do you want? What are you seeking? It's your life, not mine. What do you desire in terms of a relationship with the Holy Spirit for your life? Now, you guys over here on my left are on the front end of life. I'm like way out ahead of you, way out ahead of you. Like way out ahead of you. Look at the gray hair. These are great questions to say, like, what do I want from God? What do I want in a relationship with God? How do I want God to energize, guide, and use me as somebody who you're one of a kind? One of a kind. Nobody like you. And God's going like, if you look at me, if you open up your life to me, if you engage me, life becomes a great adventure with me. Not always easy, but a great adventure with me. Okay. Hold that thought. Here we go. Um, there's, some other, there's a lot of other things I can say, but I'm not going to say that. I'm going to move on because, Tim, where are we got to take a break? Someplace soon, right? I have to use the restroom soon. Yeah. <laughs> I could feel it. I could feel it. I'm just being transparent. And genuine. Don't, don't wipe out the genuine part. You're so real up in here. You are real. We have to be real. I know it. I love it. It's great. All right. So... Um, 
Jesus is our example, and we're going to take a break. Just to sum up, Jesus is our example, right? He shows us what, who God is, and he shows us how to live a life following God. Keep your eyes on Jesus. We did that at the front end of our time this morning, saying keep your eyes on Jesus. Two, um, God wants to use you and I in this world. And he is here and available and are we plugged in? We won't get anywhere on that question unless we understand who we are first, alongside of who, who the Holy Spirit is. I'll come back to that after break. Um, the Holy Spirit brings the presence of God to our lives. Started about, that's all we have. That, that's what distinguishes us from everyone else as followers of Christ. We have his presence. And um, our response to the presence of God happens through the Holy Spirit. Okay. That was my summary. You may take a restroom break. Tim, you're first in line. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs>